There's a lot of stress and anxiety in the world right now. We all know that. We can see that with the pandemic continuing to rage around the world. We see that in Afghanistan. We see it in the earthquake in Haiti. We see it with Hurricane Ida getting ready to hit uh, Louisiana this week. And um, we see professional athletes taking time off from their jobs because it's so incredibly stressful. They just need some time to to step away from the pressure that they face. Uh, And then in our own lives, we battle the stress of going back to school and work and can we uh, get the right amount of money to take care of our families and we are battling illnesses and some of us in our own church are fighting for our very lives and battling illness and disease. And I wonder, you know, are times worse now than they used to be? Do we have more stress and anxiety in the world now than we used to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago? I'm not sure. I I really don't think so. I think if you look back in history, you can see stress and anxiety that's always been around. I think today we just have more awareness and communication and we, and we know more about what's going on than some people did in, in previous times. I just was thinking about what was the stress like for people who lived through World War I or people who lived through the stress of World War II. I mean, could you imagine if you were living in London, England and, and you knew that you're getting ready to be bombed and so you sent your children away from the city out into the country uh, to live with strangers, hoping that those strangers would take care of your children. And the stress of of those children being separated from their families, not seeing their moms and dads, going to live somewhere with someone strange who may or may not be a nice person, wondering if you'll ever see your family again. Are they gonna get bombed? Will I see them again? Will this new family take care of me? Just imagine the anxiety and the stress of that in World War II. Well, what if I was to tell you that the stress and anxiety that is happening in World War II as you're evacuating children uh, was less stressful for one little 10-year-old girl than her her life living in London. In my time in quarantine, I had some time to read, and I caught up on a book that my young son Nathan has been reading in in his school, Uh, and it's a a historical novel uh, about a little girl who lived in London. Uh, She's 10 years old, and she was born with a club foot. Her foot on her right leg was backwards. And so she didn't know how to walk. Uh, her mom and her brother uh, and this little girl lived together in a small apartment uh, in a poor area of London. And uh, her mom was ashamed of her daughter. She didn't want her to go out. And so she never let her leave the house. And so this little girl had to stay inside of her little apartment looking out her window every day. And her mom told everyone that she had mental uh, challenges. She wasn't smart enough to leave, which was a lie. She was just embarrassed because of her club foot. And so she didn't go to school. She never got to go out into a park. They wouldn't even let her go to the hall bathroom. She just had a pot that she had to use to go to the bathroom. And her mom resented her. And so she would lock her into, uh, underneath the sink at night, lock her in there where cockroaches would crawl all over her body. And so when she got evacuated from London to the country, it was less stressful for her. It was an upgrade for her. She saw grass for the very first time. She saw a horse for the very first time. She took a bath in a bathtub in a bathroom for the very first time. And she got to do that every day of her life. And so in a way, World War II saved this little girl, saved her life. It gave her a whole new beginning. But it was a long and slow journey because she had all of this emotional baggage that she didn't know how to articulate, 
She had this anxiety, probably had anxiety disorders, maybe post-traumatic stress disorder that she had to work through. And, and she would often have panic attacks where she couldn't breathe, uh, her heart would race, and, and she would just get so stressed out. And, and she said that her mind would go somewhere else, like it would try to dissociate or escape. And so the family that took care of her had to help her work through all of these issues. And we don't have to be this little 10-year-old girl living in England to understand anxiety. We all know what anxiety is like. You know what it's like when, when again, like it's hard to breathe, the, the shallow breathing. We know what it's like for our heart to race. We know what it's like to have dread inside of us. We know what it's like to have constant negative thoughts. Right? We understand what it's like not to be able to focus in life. Right? We understand what anxiety is. Uh, even my life, like uh, my, my times of anxiety usually hit me the hardest when I wake up in the morning. I usually wake up before the alarm clock's supposed to go off uh, and my mind starts racing through the things that I've got to do that day or the things that are stressing me out. When, when do you feel your anxiety? Like mine is first thing in the morning. And I call this like the demons in my life that haunt me. Like, you know, you gotta deal with this. This is going on in your family. This is going on at church. This is going on in the world, right? That's when I feel the most attacked and the most anxious. When is it that you feel that anxiety in your life? Um, let's look at what anxiety means. Here's a definition for anxiety. Anxiety is the feeling of fear and dread or uneasiness. Right? It's a normal part of life, right? It's just... Life can be challenging, life is good, but it can also be challenging. We all feel anxiety to some level, right? But anxiety can go to even higher levels. There are things called anxiety disorders. So let's look at what that is, right? It's when anxiety is intense and excessive and does not go away. It worsens over time. Symptoms interfere with our daily activities such as a job performance, schoolwork. Does that continue? Maybe I didn't send that in. All right, anyway, you, you understand, right? So there's general anxiety that we all feel. And then there are anxiety disorders where it just, it interferes in our lives, right? And so this series is an attempt to find some relief for anxiety, to find some comfort and some reassurance from God. We're going to look into the scriptures because Jesus understands that being human involves anxiety. And so we're going to see lots of teachings and we hope that this will be helpful. We also want you to, to be able to identify if you're struggling with not just anxiety, but with an anxiety disorder, something that where it's excessive and it just doesn't stop, that we want to also encourage you to, to maybe find some ways to, to deal with that which we're probably gonna be involved in getting some professional help. I would encourage you to talk to a physician about this, right? It might be something medical going on, or maybe your physician can help you think about maybe finding a counselor, someone to talk to, or, or come to Pastor Lindsay or me, and we'd love to help you think through some strategies of dealing with anxiety if it just seems to be really overboard and out of the ordinary, right? And you're not alone in that. So, but the series we're focusing on is how can God help us with our anxiety? How can God help us with general anxiety? How can God help us with uh, anxiety disorders? Because it's a real thing that everyone has to face. And God gives us lots of good news in this area. Today, we're gonna hear directly from Jesus himself. Uh, we're in the first century. 
Jesus is teaching in the northern part of Israel around the Sea of Galilee. It's this big, beautiful lake with these rolling green hills around it. It's just this pristine setting. But Jesus, even in that pristine setting, is, is teaching people just like you and me who have everyday life challenges, everyday challenges. And a lot of the people that Jesus was talking to specifically in this circumstance, uh, they were extremely poor. And they were literally trying to figure out how they're going to feed themselves and their family today. Trying to figure out how to get clothes to wear today. So Jesus is talking to some, some very challenged people, right? In, in the first century, a lot of people lived in these small hovels and it was a smoky smell and uh, it was dark and damp and dirty. And, and a lot of times it would smell like sweat or smell like urine or feces. It smelled just decaying. There wasn't a lot of clean water. There were open sewers just flowing through the, the towns, right? So we're talking about people who were struggling just to eat, just to put clothes on their backs. And Jesus is trying to teach them about how to cope with their anxiety, right? So let's see what Jesus tells them and see how it might be able to apply to our anxiety, whether or not we're struggling with food or, or clothes, or maybe more of a social issue, maybe just finding a place to belong with relationships. How does Jesus encourage us to deal with our anxiety? So let's pick up with the words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, right? Easier said than done, right? Do not worry about your life. That's easier said than done, Jesus. You've got our attention. Let's see why we don't need to worry about our life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Right? If God gives us life, right, then Jesus is calling us to trust God to provide for our basic needs. Right? Isn't life more important than food and clothing? Right? If, if God gave you life, God is going to help and provide for you. So let's continue. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, right? They're not in the rat race of working, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours uh, a day or a week, right? And yet your heavenly father feeds them, right? God takes care of the birds, right? They got to do some work. They got to find some worms. They got to you know, do some things like that, but God feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Right? God takes care of birds, right? God will take care of you because you are more valuable to God than birds of the air. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? That's a redundant question, right? We all know the answer to that, no. How many of us worry and worry and worry and it helps us or adds to our life or adds time to our lives, right? And it usually does the opposite. It, it probably causes us our lives to be shorter because the stress affects our body and our hearts and our circulation and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life, right? Jesus said, worry's not really good for us. And why do you worry about clothes, right? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, right? They're not working. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon, right? King Solomon, the richest king of the history of Israel, who had all these palaces all around Israel, all this fine royal clothes and robes, all the most beautiful things that you can imagine fashion-wise, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, right? 
flowers and grass, they have a short lifespan, right? A lot shorter than the lifespan of a human being, right? Will God not much more clothe you, you of little faith? God takes care of the birds. God takes care of the flowers and the grass. God's gonna take care of you because you are more important than those things. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, right? Non-believers worry about stuff and your heavenly father knows that you need them, right? We have God on our side. We don't need to worry about these things. And here's the clincher, right? But seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. When we focus on God first and God's will for our lives, which we talked about last week, right? Seeking God and the kingdom first then all those other things will be taken care of. Our, our needs will be taken care of by God. Right? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, right? Don't worry about tomorrow, focus on the day. Meet today, meet the joys and the challenges and, and, and all the things today with God, right? God's gonna take care of us and we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. So these are the words of Jesus. And again, right, if, if we're watching or we're here today and we're struggling with everyday necessities, right? Will I have enough to eat? Will I have clothes on my back? Will I have shelter for my family? Right, God's saying, hang on, right? Focus on God, focus on the kingdom. But I think it also extends to, well, what about my emotional needs? What about me being able to be successful at school or at work or other things like that? I, I think by extension, God also says, Focus on me, focus on our relationship, and I will help you with all of the various parts of your lives, right? So if you're not struggling with food or clothes, I think Jesus is still preaching to us. I think he's still teaching to us today, right? Because we all have worries in different parts of our lives, right? People that we love who are sick, people who are struggling to find a job, right? And so Jesus encourages us to trust him, okay? So let's think about that and walk through that. Uh, now, sometimes people really overreact to this scripture and, and they kind of let the pendulum swing a little bit too far. It's like, well, I don't need to worry about food or clothes. I don't, I don't really need to eat a lot, right? Or I don't need to wear clothes. That's not what the scripture's saying, okay, right? So uh, be sure to eat food, take care of yourself. Definitely be sure to wear clothes, especially in church, right? So we don't want, to, we don't want that pendulum to swing off the charts, right? God's saying that food and clothes and things are important in our lives. Right, so that, that is important for us. The scripture is not saying that, well, if you then go to work that you're being unfaithful, right? right? God's not saying you, you just sit around and things are gonna magically appear, right? We, we have our role to play even as God has his role to play. And so if you plan for the future, if you save money for the future, if you have insurance for the future, that does not mean that you're being unfaithful. Right? In fact, it means that you're being faithful. When we read through scripture, God says that we should be prepared. We should work. We should make plans for the future. So that, that's not what the scripture's saying. Right? It's not saying that if you just sit on your couch and you read your Bible that God's gonna shower you with cheeseburgers one day, okay? <laughs> right? The scripture's not saying that Jesus works for DoorDash. Uh, that you just you know, sit around and, and be lazy and God's just gonna hook you up with your favorite foods, okay? That's not what it's saying. So, so what is the scripture saying today? It's kind of like um, when you get a new mobile phone or cell phone, you gotta choose a provider, right? Am I gonna go with AT&T? Am I gonna go with Verizon, T-Mobile? 
right? Who am I gonna go with, Sprint, right? In this case, this is what the Bible's saying. Choose your provider, God or worry. Who's gonna take care of me? Is God gonna take care of me? Or is, is worrying about my life and myself that gonna take care of me, right? Who is our provider? Who do we trust to, to provide for us? Is it God or is it our worries and our stress and our anxiety, right? Who is going to take care of us? I was reading a commentary about this scripture and it said something really fascinating. It says that if we're not careful, worry can become an idol. Worry can become what we worship. Check this out, right? Worry becomes an idol when we allow it to take our eyes off of Jesus, right? That's what an idol is. Anything that takes our focus off of Jesus. For some of us, it's our work. For some of us, it's money. For some of us, it's, it's relationships, right? Worry becomes an idol when we take our eyes off of Jesus, right? So if we're worrying so much that it's getting in the way of us and Jesus, then we are worshiping our worry, that's a powerful thing to think about is sometimes if our worry dominates us, then we've taken our eyes off of God. We've let worry run and rule our lives. And, and that doesn't bring us joy. It doesn't bring us pleasure. That's not where God wants us to be. Right? Check this out. We substitute despair, helplessness, or fear in place of God. And we turn our own efforts at trying to control our environment. Let's leave up, that up here for a second. Right? We substitute despair, helplessness, or fear in place of God, and we turn our own efforts at trying to control our environments. This is so true of me in my life. Right? When I'm, I'm awake in the morning and those demons of worry are coming and they're, and they're, and they're bothering me, right? I, one of those is this. Man, I've got to reach more people for Jesus. There are more people in South Park that need to hear Jesus' word. There's more people on the internet that need to hear Jesus' word. And I don't think that I'm effectively doing that. So I have to try harder, right? I have to control the environment. I have to control my own efforts. I'm a failure if I'm not reaching more people for Jesus. And pretty soon I've taken my eyes off of what God is calling me to do and I'm trying to do it myself. Right? We had, a, we had a, a discussion with our staff recently about this. It's like, we've got to remind ourselves, right? We're part of the process, but God is the main driver. We've got to keep on focusing on the kingdom of God and God's going to help us reach more people, right? We can't take the place of God. It's, it's a fine line to walk, right? We have a part to play and God has a part to play, but a lot of times we take both parts and try to play them both, right? You ever do this at work? You ever do this in your family? You ever do it in school? Right? You're worried so much that you try to control things so much that you leave God completely out of the equation. You try to do it on your own. Right? In my case, I always fail because I can't be God and Kyle. Right? I have enough time, hard time being Kyle on myself. Right? I, I can't be God. Do, do you ever do this? Right? We try to take over and do God's part. That just, that ends miserably, right? I just would warn you against that, right? We've got to do our part, but we got to let God do God's part. We got to trust God, right? So we're continually also being crucified between two thieves. Remember Jesus was crucified. He had one thief on one side, one on the other. I love this quote. I read this this week, right? On one side, we have the regrets of yesterday, man, I really blew it. I wish I could have done something different. That's a type of anxiety of regret, isn't it? Right? And on the other side, we're worrying about tomorrow. Right? In this passage of scripture, Jesus says, focus on the now. Worry about right now. Right? 
You can't change the past unless you can invent a time machine and that's not been done, it's not possible. We can't go back and change the past. We're so worried about the future that we forget to worry about what's happening right now. Now, one question that I have about this scripture, and maybe you had this question is, well, what about the good Christians in the world who trust Jesus, who seek after the kingdom of God, who seek a relationship with Christ, and they still starve to death? Or they still end up on the street without a home? Or they end up with a disease? Or they lose their jobs? Or they flunk out of school? Right? They've loved Jesus, they seek first the kingdom, and bad stuff still happens to them. Right? How does that scripture stand up to this? Right? Why does that kind of stuff still happen? Because it does happen, right? They're, they're good Christians that probably got crushed in the buildings in Haiti. They're good Christians in Afghanistan who probably got blown up by those suicide bombers this week, right? So how does that scripture stand up to our real life experience? I'll be honest with you, I don't have an easy answer. And I wrestle with that because I see good Christian people suffer all the time, despite the best efforts, right? So I wrestle with this and it's okay for you to wrestle with this. But here are some of my thoughts. And I think part of it was what we talked about last week is the will of God, right? The intentional will of God is that God doesn't want anybody to, to suffer. God doesn't want anybody to be crushed in an earthquake. God doesn't want anybody to be blown up by a bomb. God doesn't want anybody to starve to death or, or, or to be without shelter. Right? But he gives us freedom of choice. And sometimes we make bad decisions and sometimes other people make bad decisions. Right? There are people in the world that have more food than they need and they throw it away while other people are starving to death right? in the same city. Right? And so... God now has what we call the circumstantial will, right? As humans make choices and we do things, the circumstances change from what God intended because he gives us freedom and now God adapts to work with us in the circumstances, right? That in the rubble in Haiti, God is there helping the people dig out of that. That in the midst of the explosions in Afghanistan, God is there and helping people deal with that and move forward. Those who are struggling to eat, God is with them and helping them to try to live the best that they can. God doesn't desert us. God never said that life's gonna be easy or without pain or without difficulty, but God says, I will be with you and I will give you the strength to try and move forward. And I think it also puts a lot of pressure on those of us who follow Jesus if we're truly seeking first the kingdom of God, if we're truly seeking to, to, to love Jesus and live like Jesus, then, then when we have more than enough, we share that with people who don't have it, right? When we have roads and infrastructures of buildings that we go to other places that don't and we help them build that, right? We work for peace in our lives, right? So a lot of that is on us, right? That God's given us lots to do in the world but we also have to take stock of how are we using the gifts that God has given to us. It's hard, we wrestle with it. So what's the point? What's the takeaway, what's the big idea today? This is what I think it is. Don't worry, right? again, easier said than done. God does provide, I do believe that. I do believe that God provides and God will help you deal with whatever bad things come up when the time comes. When the hurricanes come, when COVID comes, when your job loss comes, when the sickness comes, 
God is with us and will give us strength and give us comfort, give us friends, and God will help us deal with what happens when it happens. So that's, I think, what Jesus is saying, right? So two things I would challenge you to think about doing this week, and let's see what, what we can do with this. The first is this. Meet today's problems with today's strength. Right? Meet today's problems with today's strength. Right? When I'm awake at two in the morning worrying about it, I say, God, whatever's coming today, Lord, I need you to help me. Give me the strength that I need to go through today. Right? I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about five days from now. Right? Again, we can plan for that. Right? We want to budget. We want to plan for things. But right. Meet today's problems with today's strength. With the power of the Holy Spirit, right, you can handle what comes today. Right? Meet today's problems with today's strength. Right? And one more thing, express gratitude for what God has done and what God is doing now. Right? So it's good sometimes to, to remember, hey, what has God done for me in the past? What is God doing for me today? Right? An antidote to anxiety is gratitude. I shared with the staff uh, recently that whenever I go on vacation, uh, it takes me two or three days to unwind. Do you guys experience that, right? When you go on vacation, it takes some time to unwind and kind of, you know, leave the stress of life behind so that you can enjoy the beach or the mountains or wherever you are. One of the things that I've started doing on my vacations early in the vacation is to say, what was I stressed about on vacation last year? When I came down here, what was I stressed about last year that I thought I would never get through. And then I realize I make that list and I'm like, God got me through that, right? And I think, what was I stressed about two, day, two years ago and three years ago? And, and pretty soon, I don't even remember what I was stressed about three or four years ago, right? Maybe a few people, not just kidding. But, uh, right, you see where I'm going with this, right? God got me through it. God's gonna get me through it now. And I give thanks for the way that God has worked in my life. I give thanks for the way that God's working, right? God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my clothes. Thank you for my health. Thank you for a calling, right? When we begin to list the things that God has done for us, pretty soon they're much larger than the anxiety that's building in us. And so when I'm wrestling with my demons in the morning, I have to be intentional and take a literal time out and say, Kyle, stop worrying about this stuff. What were you stressed about yesterday? God got you through it. What were you stressed about two days ago? God got you through it. What were you stressed about three days ago? God got you through it. If God can help your pastor wrestle with his demons, God can help you wrestle with yours. Don't worry, God provides and God will give you the strength to handle what comes on the day that it comes. And be grateful for the things that God is doing. One more thing, right? This Jesus that we're, we're talking about, right? he, he knows a little bit about anxiety, doesn't he? Right? His friends right, abandoned him when he needed him the most. One of them betrayed him. Right? He was physically tortured and killed. Jesus understands anxiety so he can walk with us and he can help us when we are in our own anxiety. And at the end, what happens, right? Jesus brings good out of our anxiety and out of our stress. So brothers and sisters, how about it? What keeps you up at night? What wakes you up in the morning? What are the things that bring you anxiety? What are the things that bring you stress? Right? Trust God. 
do not worry. I know it's a lot harder to do than it is to say, but, but Jesus says, right, don't worry. God provides and God will help you deal with whatever hard things come your way when they come, right? Meet today's problems with today's strength and give gratitude to God for the ways that God is working in our lives now and the ways that God has worked in our lives before. If God can help me with wrestle with my demons of anxiety, God can help you too as well. In the name of Christ, amen.